Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Today is part three, and we're talking about hidden sources of listing leads. And most, if not all, of these listing lead sources cost you absolutely no money, no referral fees. But we want to start out by telling you guys a story, and it has absolutely nothing to do with listing leads. Is that what we're just talking about? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> it made both of us laugh, and I have a feeling it'll yeah. make you guys laugh too. So Julie and I um, owned, uh, still do, a little, I'll call it a ranchette or a ranch in North Austin, Texas. And this property had enough acreage that we could get some livestock and we've never had livestock before. So we ended up getting these little chickens. We thought, well, it'd be a great way for Zoe to learn how to take care of things. And it was, it was great. It was wonderful. But with them, um, I had the idea, well, why don't we get a couple cows and not just any kind of cow. No, because you're you. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to get many cows and you guys are have to Google what I'm about to tell you. So I did some homework on this without telling Julie, because her answer would have been hell to the no if I exactly. told her what I wanted to do. So I found out there was these little cows that were called Highland Dexter cows. And these cows are the coolest thing you've ever seen before. They're these, now by little, they're not that little, they're actually quite massive. Like but 800 pounds a piece. Exactly. They're just huge things, but they're small by comparison to say a normal cow. But the thing about them is that they, when it gets cold out and it didn't get super cold in North Austin, but it got cold enough, their hair would grow long. And now we didn't experience this, but in some climates, not only do these Highland Dexter cows have long hair, but they actually start to get dread, uh, natural uh, dreadlocks. Dreadlocks. They're yeah. super wooly. <laughs> yeah, they are really cute. You guys can Google them. Highland Dexter cows. Yeah. So I, okay. So we definitely went to Highland Dexter. Again, this is without telling Julie about it. So we definitely went Highland Dexter cows. They would be something that Zoe will remember forever. We would have these little pets. We had this little sort of, I don't even know, um, absolutely con or at least I did this absolutely convoluted idea of what it mean to have cows so we go and I did some homework and it turns out well it's Texas of course there's somebody that breeds them because there's somebody that breeds everybody I mean there was somebody that was near where we lived that had a gorilla I'm not making that up <laughs> so in any event we had uh, Texans you guys know what I'm talking about yep. so we I found out there was this really nice lady who has who was breeding Highland Dexter cows not for slaughter but for people's pets and she supposedly had some sort of Highland Dexter cow bloodline going back to, you know, all the usual blah, well, blah, blah. Well, they're Scottish, so they go way back. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, that would have been worth mentioning. They were from, they were bred to basically be able to walk on um, very steep, uh, mountainous, rocky areas. So they were short, but had very strong legs. You know, just imagine on a, you know, Irish or Scottish countryside type thing. That's where these guys were from. So yes, yeah, sure enough, she has some cows and she has some calves and she's, you know, she told us about Brownie and what was the other one? Two James. Of them? Brownie and James, right? So she said, yes, I've got two and, you know, if you guys want them and you can adopt them and the whole thing. We'll bring them over. We'll bring them over. So I said, yeah. And then I tell Julie about it. And then, and then at the, but I'm telling Julie about it when Zoe's around because between Zoe and me, it's going to be a vote of two to one. Yeah, and so, lost. so Julie lost. So these cows get delivered and we had, um, you know, we'd put up a fence and it, the whole thing was fenced in so the Dexter cows could have a place to go and roam without having to go too far. 
um, and get in any trouble. Well, okay, so they were dropped off and these were adorably cute and they grew really fast and um, they got to the point where I could call them by making noises. I could, um, when we pulled into the property, I could, you know, do a cow noise and they'd come out of nowhere. <laughs> love sweet potatoes. And they love sweet potatoes. They love Julie. Julie was their favorite thing ever. They're still alive. We gave them to a friend. I'm talking past tense, but it was our experience with them that's past tense. So we noticed that um, Brownie and James, one of them had a full set of, you know, uh, basically cow wedding junk. I don't know how else to describe. I was wondering how you were going to say that. Cow vegetables, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so so one of them, we figured one of them was gilded and the, or gelded and the other one was not. Especially because they both had horns. Yeah, they both had horns. Had they horns. looked identical. And we don't know anything about cows, let alone had a sex of cow. We didn't know anything, <laughs> right? So, the, you know, these guys were just, they were young when we got them and we had them for a couple of years. And then we ended up moving to Puerto Rico. And we donated, well, we donated and we gave them to a friend uh, of ours who had a really large um, property and... So we get a message from him after we've moved to Puerto Rico and we said, we think one of the cows is pregnant. And we're like, how the hell does that happen? (laughs) But they both have horns. What? Exactly. And he goes, well, it turns out that I think it was Brownie. Brownie. Yeah. Was a female. Brunette. Brunette. Right? So it wasn't really Brownie, it was Brunette. So the whole time, so it all goes back to this lady who we bought these cows from. There's no way she didn't know. That she was selling us a male and a female. And she must have laughed her butt off as her and her husband were driving off when we, you know, thinking that sometime in the future we would be waking up to realizing that we were actually, you know, uh, we had cow babies on the way. I know. And this explains as we look back, because we had lots of instances where you and I were like, gosh, I didn't know cows played like that. Yeah. Because they chase each other around and they actually were very playful. Well, that's because they were fixing to make a baby cow. We, we didn't We didn't judge. Hey, I mean, you know, <laughs> J, they seem to have, let's just say an unusually, you know, an alternative relationship for cows. Yes. But whatever, you know, we whatever. could handle it, right? I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, so now we have three cows. So yeah. Anyway, so we get a we get a a, a video from our the guy that we donated the cows to, and uh, yeah. So now we have a baby, <laughs> also named Brownie, in honor of uh, apparently the mom. Yeah. So I just thought the whole story would make all of you guys laugh. It still makes us laugh this day because it really just goes to show all of you how dumb we really are. <laughs> a to have wanted cows in the first place. B to not know how to sex cows. Nope. I mean, the list didn't goes, occur to us really. The list goes on. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. hopefully some of you guys there are you laughing. Are. We're trying to break some of the tension that maybe some of you are feeling in the marketplace right now. It's little stories like that, little experiences like that with little cows. But I do remember when we drive into the property, we put up this metal um, wire fence and the local uh, ranchers would say, oh, this is you just put the, there was no barbed wire. We weren't doing anything like that. But you put up this wire fence, the cows will come up to it. They'll just touch it and they'll not want to go through it. And, you know, we bought all the right stuff. And a friend of me and a friend put up the fence and it was just we did a great job. We are quite proud of ourselves. Well, the first day that Julie walked out, uh, she was walking up to the fence with sweet potatoes. She'd give these cows. Remember, we treated them like pets. So she gave these cows sweet potatoes on a regular basis. Well, these cows, the first time the fence was up, you guys know where I'm going with this, right? So they see Julie walking out of the house with her, her a big, you know, bucket of sweet potatoes that are all cut up. Of course, Julie didn't want them to choke. So she was cutting them well, up. And their cow mom told me to do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so they see Julie from across the field with this cow bucket. Oh my gosh. And they came steamrolling clear through that fence. Like a cartoon. But it was, Full speed ahead. But what they did, which was amazing, considering these these guys at this point were six to 700 pounds. Yeah. 
is they were able to jump between. They didn't go through the fence. They jumped. Uh, what would it be called? The lines between in the fence. Between the rungs of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. These things became like gazelles basically when they saw Julie in the sweet potatoes. Properly motivated. Jumped right through. <laughs> and I ran like hell because those things coming at you is no joke. So yeah, I, I stopped going out into that field without a broom or something to well, defend myself. They'd also go up to the chicken coop that we bought. And they would basically, um, the chickens were fenced in too, but that we let the chickens be free range during the day. So the cows that were again behind their fence and the chickens were, you know, essentially in their own private chicken area. Well, when the cows would see the chickens were out, the cows would get out of the fence and they loved the height of the day was chasing chickens. <laughs> I have a video of that somewhere. We do. We have videos on Instagram of our cows. We were sitting on the porch and every day the cows would chase the chickens. The chickens would play hard to get. I mean, the whole thing. And was I'd have to chase the chickens down. And you'd have to chase the cows down. This was like a two hour event. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. That's your podcast for today, folks. Yeah, that's our proof that we were indeed ranchers in Texas. So today... With well, big air quotes around that one. And if you're listening for the first day, um, well, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> so today is part three of Secret Places That You Can Find Listings For Sale. And today we're going to talk about what absolutely positively is my... If I, Julie and I are to get back into business, real estate sales business today... And some of you guys ask us this question sometimes. What would you do? It's the next point that Julie's about to share with you. Yes, and you might have guessed it expires, but in this podcast series, we're talking about unusual places. So we're going to drill down on a particular type of expired. Expired listings, especially from 2020, the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, this was the blip in time when no one knew what would happen with the housing market. Remember, we all started getting locked down and stuff like that. Everyone took their homes off the market. Depending on your MLS rules, you may be able to contact temporarily off the market and or temporarily withdrawn listings as well as expireds who have not yet relisted. There's still a lot of commercial listings that have not been reactivated. Remember, commercial was hit even harder during that particular quarter or two. Now, the good news about all of these is that you can very likely get the price that they wanted back in 2020, possibly even higher, Whoa. almost for sure even higher. Yep. This is a great conversation to be having with such prospects. You know, a lot of our coaching clients, have, I think uh, Chris Leon in Chicago was the first one that said, hey, you know what? These guys have got to be looking at that particular time frame back in 2020. And if you look at the charts about housing inventory, there, it, it was like a straight dip down where we remember, I remember looking at the Austin stats and it was like zero new listings for several weeks. And then it was like five listings at a time. And then, you know, things got lighter about halfway through. Then we started seeing inventory again, but there were so many expireds withdrawn and temporarily off the markets during those particular quarters that those of you who say, well, you know, I don't have enough expireds to go after go back in time. So the kissing cousin to expires is of course unrepresented owners or for sale by owners. Yep. We teach all we teach you guys how to go after all this business in Premier Coaching, the scripts, the objection handlers, the presentations, the lead sources, it's all part of Premier Coaching. You don't have to go and fish out and root out and uh, research who the expireds are and what their phone numbers are on all that. We give you the sources to go after that information. Uh, we're basically their sources that'll send you that information every single day. And that's part of Premier Coaching. You can learn about those companies that provide that for sale by owners and expired listings. You don't have to research it yourself. Use the resources that we share with you. But for sale by owners, that's an interesting little uh, quagmire that a lot of those for sale by owners are going to be experiencing now. Houses aren't selling themselves, taking longer to sell. Maybe they thought that they had more, the, the house was going to sell in 22 seconds and they gave them, you know, and they needed to be in their new house within 120 days or whatever. Well, now the clock is running down. The house is still for sale. 
Um, but what they don't realize is that, you know, at the end of the day, they can sell the house in most cases, net what they want to net from it. And that's the whole reason maybe money they're fizzboing in the first place is because they want to uh, get a certain amount in order for them to buy whatever they want to have for sale. But in the intervening months they've had the house for sale, it may have actually inflated more and appreciated enough that it's going to cover the cost of them hiring you to sell the property. And that's kind of a mind boggling thing to think about. But if they put the house for sale 60, 90 days ago, homes even in this market are still inflating, call it appreciation if you'd like, but it's really inflation. And that will easily cover the cost of the, you know, the fee it would take and the expense that would be associated with listing it in a traditional, you know, home selling list with you. Normal selling costs usually run around 10% all in chances are the house is easily going to be able to net the seller what they need and cover the cost of selling it with you. And many for sale by owners don't know that many, many agents, what their solution to go after for going after expireds and for sale by owners is to mail them letters. Don't do that. It's very ineffective. What you want to do is you want to call them. In some cases, you want to knock on the door. There is no such thing as a do not knock list and go after this business because these are highly motivated sellers that are going to be easily converted if you know what to say and how to say it, especially in a market like this. And the for sale by owners and the expireds are going to be a lot less self-assured, let's call it, because of the fact that they know we are in a recession. That's right. And in fact, it's funny you bring that up. I read a report this morning because I was researching for another podcast that we're doing about home appreciation. So even with price reductions and more inventory and blah, 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 this report said over the past 90 days of data, the average in the whole country of appreciation still is 2% month over month. We're not talking year over year, month to month. So two times three is six. That's 6% of average appreciation. And meanwhile, here's another thing you guys don't consider when you're doing seller's net sheets. Meanwhile, over the past 90 days, they've also made three house payments, which also made their payoff less. Yeah, well, not much less. Not depending much, where they're but in the still mortgage. it could yeah. be thousands. You know, you got to think like a for sale by owner. It is fascinating though, isn't it? It is. This I, is the reason that transitioning markets like this create so many opportunities. They're everywhere. Yep, absolutely. Next point. Okay, now we we did a whole series on new construction. So that was the drill down, but we're reminding you unusual places to find listings. That would be regularly visit and network with new construction sales reps and sales managers. So what we're going to do is we're going to refer you back to the podcast series we did. Um, and you'll find that if you're on iTunes, just go back a few days. You'll see it. We did three days on exactly what Julie just said. We gave you a lot of drill down information. Obviously nothing like what you get in Premier Coaching. But go back and listen to those past podcasts. I'll go back on if you're on YouTube and read about or view and listen about how we suggest you go after all the new construction sources. There's no sense in us just gleaning over. Well, and there's a step-by-step plan right there. In exactly. That it's, it's the second day we gave you guys an exact breakdown, but that is another fantastic source of free listing leads. Did I mention these listing leads cost you nothing? Free listing leads, no referral fees, no paying for a lead. None of that Mickey Mouse. No long-term so follow-up. Exactly. These are sellers in many cases that need to sell their house now. And just it's worth mentioning, it's worth reviewing for some of you who are on the newish side of real estate. If you have to choose between working with a buyer or a seller, if you haven't, you know, if you have to choose which sort of pathway in your real estate career to put most of your best energies behind, always choose being a listing agent. Why? Because there is no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. I'll say it again, and I, it's always fascinating for me to say this in front of a live group of people because the facial expressions I get back are sometimes very interesting. The agents who have, I'm a buyer's agent. I work with buyers. My passion is working with buyers, 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 buyers. And when I say this, which should be obvious to all of you, 
they are offended. And it's interesting that they're offended. It's because they haven't realized that they're essentially putting a lot of effort oftentimes that they wouldn't have to put in if they're working on the listing side. Buyers can always rent. Buyers can always stay where they're at. Buyers can decide to add in a room addition or remodel and stay put. Buyers can completely take themselves out of the market. Buyers can, you guys get the point, a buyer oftentimes will change the motivation that they have with even the slightest headwind. Interest rates go up, political this, you know, whatever. They didn't get the house they wanted, they're and, out. And right now we're in the land of lender overlays again, where lenders are putting more requirements for people to get mortgages. So somebody may have been qualified 90 days ago, not motive, not qualified now. So many headwinds to working with buyers all the time, but especially now. Now, if you're on the listing side of things, can you guys give me examples of sellers that have to sell? There's endless. They have to sell because they don't own two homes. They have to sell because they can't afford the house they're in because they just got relocated. They have to sell because it's a probate listing and they don't want the house. They have to sell because it's a VRBO and the cash flow is negative. There's so many really fantastic reasons, lists and lists of reasons why someone absolutely positively has to sell the house. So ultimately what this gets down to, you want to work with people that have to transact. That's going to be sellers provided you are working with sellers that are indeed uh, truly motivated. We teach you how to do that in premier coaching when you're pre-qualifying them, but there is no script. There is nothing. There's never been a buyer that has to buy. You can say 1031 tax exchange. Uh, and that would be as close to a truly motivated buyer as you're going to find. But even in that case, they can choose not to sell the rental property or the investment property, um, or they can simply pay the taxes. Or maybe they don't have taxes on it because they have depreciation or whatever they can write off against it. But with sellers, droves of reasons why you focus on a seller, absolutely have to sell the house. That's where you want to put your best energies. That's where you're going to find your future. If you want to list in real, if you want to last in real estate, learn to be a listing agent 100% of the time. And if you like working with buyers, as many of you do, we're not anti-buyer, we're just very pro-listing. When you have the listings, you will naturally get buyers anyway without having to pay for them. It, it breaks the paradigm that we're coming out of that many of you have been led to believe that you have to get your real estate license, then you have to buy buyer leads, and then maybe one day you can get a listing, or maybe by accident you'll get a listing, or one of your buyers decides to sell the house and now you get a listing. This is the, frankly, the Mickey Mouse that agents have been told for generations. You don't have to follow that feudal path. You can decide right now, today, brand new licensee or somebody who's been working with buyers forever, I'm gonna be a buy, I'm gonna be a seller's agent. I'm gonna focus all my best energies on being a listing agent. Now learn how to learn how to proactively lead generate. Learn how to you know pre learn how to uh, pre qualify. Learn how to present. Learn how to be a real estate professional. As Julie said, and it's uh, well documented and written in our book Harris Rules, where she describes what she means by this. But in when you're working with buyers, it's physical labor. When you're working with sellers, it's mental labor. Julie, what did you mean by that? Well, so quite literally, and buyer's agents, you know this very well, <laughs> when you're working, especially lately in the past three to five years, when you're working with buyers, you know, you literally are going through a lot of physical labor. You're driving around, you're doing your research, you're opening the lockboxes, you're walking around, you're having to hope that you can negotiate something on their behalf. Well, when you're a listing agent, yes, there, there's a reason why there are fewer listing agents than buyer's agents. It takes more skill. There is more mental work involved in order to generate leads. Now, we've just given you nine different ways to generate listing leads over the past three podcasts. But then to make sure that you know how to do a seller's net sheet, that you know how to handle objections, you're using a pre-listing package, you're presenting, you're negotiating, you're closing. It is more mental horsepower. That is true. And that's why a lot of agents you know, are a little bit nervous about that. And yet, you're being short-sighted if that's how you're looking at it because being a listing agent 
Is your solution to generating leads endlessly for yourself without having to pay for things? You know, Tim, I saw an agent posted the other day, their, their net, you know, forget about seller's net sheets and buyer's net sheets, the agent's net on a transaction. And the top line was something like $10,000 commission. Then they had to pay a, a referral fee to one of these companies. Then they had a transaction fee to their broker. Then they had their broker split. And on that $10,000, I kid you not, you know what the agent net was? Mm -mm. 1800 bucks. That doesn't surprise me. I was having a conversation with a gal that runs relocation for eXp. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me that a lot of these agents that work with uh, brokers and take referral fee or referral reload really leads is what right. they are. She said most of them off the top have to pay now 50% referral fee yeah. before the broker split. That's so a crazy. lot of the... So you do and the that's before a transaction fee and, a tr and like the transaction coordinator and all the other things they have to pay for. Right. So they're making some of these agents, you you know, we can use $10,000 as an example. And mm -hmm. she and I talked about this. She said at the brokerage, she used to work for one of these big national companies that had these big relationships with these relocation companies, you know, publicly traded. You guys know who I'm talking about. And they had these, uh, a lot of times they had these locked up reload relationships with big corporations or government agencies or whatever. And these agents that did not have the skill set to be proactively generators were willing to essentially work for what amounted to probably about 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. And then they had to pay taxes on that. Oh, exactly. So they end up with nothing. And their gas is $6 a gallon or whatever it is. I mean, it, it is insane. Right. And this all comes from basically you not knowing how to proactively lead generate. It comes from you not having skill. You know, if you are going to make yourself dependent on other people to feed you, you will never be independent. You will always be having to hope that somebody else is going to provide you with a lead. Or that's the same reason when we get new agents that will ask us, should I join a team? I've never said yes. I always no. say no. Don't join a team because all you're doing is you're procrastinating, becoming a true real estate professional, learning how to go after listings yourself. Become a listing agent. If you choose to, you know, join a team, build a team, do branding, do marketing, whatever it is you want to do, make those decisions later. The primary focus of every real estate professional, especially in a marketplace like this, some people say getting back to the basics, whatever you want to call it doesn't matter, is learning the skills necessary to help primarily sellers because that's where the greatest opportunity is going to be. That's where the least amount of frustration is going to be. And that's where the most consistent cash flow is always going to be. So definitely focus all your best energies on becoming um, a listing agent. So, and again, this, the, that's the focus on this series is how to teach you guys how to go after listing lead sources. We do give you around 20 different sources to um, go after in premier coaching. We tell you how to do it, what to say, how to say it. We tell you all the sources, the phone numbers, you know, everything is drilled down. That is what premier coaching is all about is making it. So you have the skill set to then build a business that you're proud of. So you can make uh, create a life for yourself and your family and your loved ones that you can only dream of. That all comes from you doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. The last point, Julie, is a really a great point. We talked about this a lot in the previous series we did on working with builders, but it's definitely worth mentioning again. That's right. So visit the model homes, trailers, or offices of the builders. Tour their homes and get to know both the sales reps and the homes for sale. You need this to learn about inventory for your buyers anyway, so you're killing two birds with one stone here. While you're there, simply ask the build reps what happens to their resale leads. When someone is building a home and has a house to sell before they can close on the new one, could that sales rep possibly refer that business to you? Well, if they're licensed, you can give them a referral fee. Build several relationships like this and soon you'll have a strong pipeline. Those same reps will also be much more likely to tell you about the available homes for sale in their communities. And remember, we did a huge drill down on that, the podcast series before this one, 
So if new construction is something that you need more information on, you want to know how to take advantage of that, we gave you a very specific step-by-step -step guide on how to embrace that. And the good thing about this past, I would have to say maybe six podcasts, is that every single point that we presented with regards to listing leads, every single listener can pursue, whether you are brand new or whether you're a grizzled veteran, doesn't matter. We highly recommend that you pursue more than one. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to just concentrate on one. This is why we have Premier Coaching, to actually build your business with you faster than you can do it wandering around the, re the real estate wilds by yourself. That's right. We're not telling you how to build complicated funnels or worry about your branding or how to make a TikTok video that's going to get clicks. We're telling you how to develop the skills so that you can actually own the land that you're building your castle on. And let me explain that. It's something that Julie and I have been saying for years, but it's incredibly profound if you actually internalize it. So one of the biggest mistakes any business can make, and it's inevitable that you're going to have to do uh, a little bit of this, but when you build your mansion that's uh, akin to your business on land you do not own, all it's going to take is for that owner of that land to change the rules and the next thing you uh you know, you've lost your mansion, right? So if you're building your future on a foundation that you don't control, you're always going to be susceptible to the ebbs and the flows of the person who does control it. That's the problem ultimately with buying business. That's the problem ultimately with thinking that you're going to build your business primarily focused on social media and all the rest of it. I mean, I was watching a really interesting video the other day with Gary Vanderchuk, and he was saying, you know, I think everyone could agree that he was one of the leaders in the hustle culture, online business formation, all that. This started really with Tim Ferriss years ago. But really at the end of the day, uh, Gary's evolved into something I think really I would call him a true business leader. So Gary was talking about exactly without saying it like I just did, exactly what I just said. He was giving examples of all the platforms that have either, that people have invested a lot of their, their life's energy into building what they thought were going to be consistent sources of business. And then the money is just, or the business is just goes away because the platform fails or the rules are changed. A friend of us, a friend of ours has a very popular, uh, we have, you know, it's interesting. We have a lot of friends actually that are professional YouTubers because where we live in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of them that live there and we've gotten to know how their businesses work and the cash flow economics of it. What's shocking to me is that how fast the YouTube algorithm started to change the rules without telling anyone. So all of a sudden these guys and gals had consistent sources of business that were just eviscerated because some sort of undisclosed change uh, happened in the algorithm and all of a sudden their, their videos stopped getting views, no views, no revenue. Um, and also the amount of money that they were able, more YouTubers came around, more YouTubers were creating content, advertisers had more choice. So now for every 1 million views that you get on a video, this is kind of fascinating. I learned this from um, someone who owns a very, very, very popular YouTube channel that we know from Puerto Rico. For every million views, the around you're only gonna make around $5,000. So you can put up a video, over time that video will make around $5,000 if you get around a million views. That's extraordinary. You guys realize how few videos actually get a million views? So you have to have a ton of videos that you hope to get 250,000 views, but think how little money you're making. So that is a you know way of making money for him and for a lot of the other YouTubers we know. It's just completely gone away. He built his entire future. He built his entire mansion on land he didn't own. You guys get it? And that's what you're going to do if you build it, if you build your business on bot leads. Buying business is one of the most guaranteed locked in ways to experience future failure. You have to learn how to be a proactive lead generator because then you own the land and then you own the mansion. You guys get it? 
The land is your skill set. The land is your confidence that comes from knowing uh, every single day, if you choose to, you can wake up in the morning, set a pre-qualified listing appointment and take a listing in the afternoon. We have coaching clients that do that consistently. And guys, that is at the end of the day, what all of you should be striving for. The ability to be financially independent because you've earned the right to uh, be so because you've got the skill set. And obviously a lot of people are going to line up around the corner to want to do business with you. We're leaving the era of, you know, fakery. We're leaving the era of, you know, these people getting you all to believe that branding is going to be the thing that's going to get you the business at the end of the day. What's going to get you the business at the end of the day is you have the actual earned reputation of having solved somebody else's problem. That's what Premier Coaching is for us. That solves your problem because it gives you a clear path forward. If you've not yet joined Premier Coaching, I'll think you, I think you'll agree that it's, you know, an incredible bargain at zero. It costs you nothing to join, There's right? <laughs> it's free. So just text the word premier to 47372, text the word premier to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. And you can join online if you don't want to text or if you're outside of the continental United States. And by the way, yes, absolutely. Julie and I are associated with eXp Realty. If you're looking for sponsors, they're going to be very proactive in your success at EXP Realty and as a real estate practitioner, we'd be honored with the right, we'd be honored with the, I'm losing my breath. <laughs> we'd be honored with, if you would consider Julie and I as your sponsors at EXP Realty, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. I have to remind myself to breathe sometimes. Yes, breathe. Yes, I am. So uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206 and just put in the letters EXP in the subject line and let's have a conversation. Right now is an excellent time for all of you to be upgrading your broker experience, especially because of this market. If you're a small broker, large broker, small team, large team, or if you're a new agent, it's perfect for you. Let's have a conversation. Text me directly. And it is my real text. Do not call. Do text 512-758-0206. If you're just interested in learning more about eXp, you can just click one of the links in the show description below, and you can watch some videos and whatnot that we put up on uh, eXp Royalty and why so many agents are choosing Julie and I as their sponsors of eXp Royalty. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.